Welcome to the Intersection of Faith and the Culture. It's the Wall Builder Show, where we're talking about the hot topics of the day from a biblical, historical, and constitutional perspective. Appreciate you joining us today. We hope you'll join us online as well. Two websites to give you, wallbuilders.com, our main website, and wallbuilderslive.com, where you can get archives of the radio program. Maybe you missed a Good News Friday and you want to dial in for that, or a uh, Foundations of Freedom Thursday, or some of the interviews happening out there. In fact, if you missed a Good News Friday, we're going to make up for it today. I know it's Wednesday, but we're going to do a Good News Wednesday because we have so much good news to get to. We can't get it all in on Fridays, so we're going to make up for it today. But first, we're going to do our Heroes of History segment. Who is our topic today, Tim and David? All right, guys. Well, the hero today is Christian Fleetwood. And also, just for everybody listening, as a reminder, you can go to wallbuilders.com. Uh, we do have the PDF version if you want to purchase and download, or we do have some sample packets. And as we go through these on radio, we're literally just going through the order of the packet. And this, again, just to keep everybody uh, in mind of why we are doing this is as we are seeing the growth of the movement of, of things like the 1619 Project, a critical race theory, as we are seeing Disney Plus or, the, or Hulu with the 1619 Project, we're seeing some of these these stations, these networks, these streaming platforms that are promoting such propaganda and nonsense and, and sometimes rooted in a kernel of truth, but then so distorted when, when the 1619 Project said they want to highlight some of the black heroes, the black contributions or the contributions of black Americans to the American story. I totally support that notion, but they seem to leave out some of the more significant ones. And so that's where, again, today, we will highlight one of those heroes. One of the more significant contributors in American history is Christian Fleetwood. Now, Christian Fleetwood, to give you the the big picture highlight of this guy, he was a Medal of Honor recipient from the Civil War. Now, to have a Medal of Honor, to, to receive one of those, you have to do something significant, heroic, courageous, generally speaking, under fire in the cause uh, the course of battle. And and if you look in American history, there's been like approximately 3,500 Medal of Honor recipients in all of military history for American history. Well, if you look also at the span of how many people have been involved in the military over all of American history, you're talking about roughly 57 million people who have served in the military in some capacity and only 3,500 have received a Medal of Honor. This is a very elite group to be in, and Christian Fleetwood is in that very elite group. And what he did is a little different maybe than some of the other Medal of Honor recipients. He received the Medal of Honor for protecting the American flag, and this is certainly something contrary to the 1619 Project, contrary to this wokeism, critical race theory that promotes that America's evil and and the flag has been oppressive. That's not the way it was viewed in the Civil War and certainly not what Christian Fleetwood thought as he was defending or upholding the American flag. Christian Fleetwood grew up in Maryland and he grew up working with anti-slavery movement, the Maryland Colonization Society and organizations like that. And in 1863, when Abraham Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation, Christians in the North, not the South, and the Emancipation Proclamation is for the South. But one of the things Lincoln did with that is he encouraged black soldiers to enlist and fight for the Union. And Christian did that. He went and enlisted, and he got involved in, in action and was fighting in North Carolina and other states as well. And just to keep in mind, he's been a free man his whole life. 
So he was born into a free family, and he lived with freedom his whole life, but he still recognized the value significance of going to sign up to be a part of the military, to fight for the freedom of other slaves, and really to preserve the Union. So he he signs up, recruits other people to be involved. So he's part of the Civil War later in the Civil War. And in the first part of the Civil War, you had a, a lot of battles that were kind of quick moving. You had cavalrys charging each other. You get in an open field and fight and then leave and find another place for battle. By the time you got to the middle of the end of the war, you were into sieges. And this is where Christian became famous it was in the siege, the, the larger siege of Richmond and Petersburg. It was a 10-month battle. And that 10-month battle had a whole lot, probably a couple dozen smaller battles tucked into it. And one of those smaller battles was the Battle of Chaffin's Farm. And it's in that battle, for, for what Christian did in that battle, they received the Medal of Honor. And so what happened, in that, and by, by the way, that was a really bloody business. That one battle alone resulted in 5,000 casualties on just one day. So this is what happened when they got into siege warfare. Each side is kind of hunkered down. They dig entrenchments and they dig pits and they protect themselves from cannons. It's not like running across an open field like Gettysburg. This this is really entrenched warfare. So as you start attacking the other side, you're attacking people that are well defended, and it's really tough. And so as they started out, he said that in his company that morning, they had 350 soldiers and 11 officers, and they started charging the enemy. And as they did, they just started getting mowed down. And as he was beside uh, Alfred Hilton, who was an officer, and he himself had become an officer fairly quickly. He went from private to sergeant major really quick. As he's going forward, he saw that Alfred Hilton beside him got shot, and Alfred Hilton was carrying the flags. And by the way, being a flag carrier back in the Civil War is like being in charge of that part of the battle. Everything revolved around the flag. If the flag rotated right, that's where everybody went because they didn't have communications. There was no way you could hear among all the cannons and everything else, so you watched the flag. So that's the guy that the enemy wants to shoot first off is you shoot the flag carrier because he's in charge of the battle. So Alfred Hilton went down, and before he hit the ground, Christian dropped his gun and grabbed the flag, and he continued to charge. So everybody's watching him, and, and as he goes, and he's getting bullets flying all around him. Uh, he talked about how that the bullets grazed his leg. One cut through his stocking, and one cut through his pants. And so he's he's definitely a target, but he survives, and he actually did get wounded as he was charging. But they were able to take the Confederate emplacement, and as he's trying to get back to to his groups, because at, at the end of the battle, he said there's 85 guys left. There's three officers. He's trying to get back and, and, and regroup his group. He's wounded and he's in tough shape. But for his courage in that battle, he receives the Medal of Honor. And he's one of six black soldiers that in the Civil War received the Medal of Honor for saving the American flag. Um, unlike what we hear today, they thought the American flag stood for freedom and it was a Confederate flag that stood for, for slavery. They love the American flag, and six six black Americans received the Medal of Honor for protecting that flag. After the war's over, Christian goes on. He has a great career in the military. Uh, he, he starts Military Academy in Washington, D.C. He trains young men that served and became officers in the Spanish-American War and World War I, etc. But he was quite a musician as well. He's a very strong Christian. And in Washington, D.C., he started all these musical concerts. And he became good friends with First Lady Lucy Hayes and First Lady uh, Frances Cleveland, and they helped with the concerts. And so he was well-known in Washington, D.C., a very significant figure, one of that, Tim, as you said, a handful of folks who received the Medal of Honor for what he did. But the bravery he showed in the Battle of Chaffin's Farm is what caused him to receive the Medal of Honor. 
All right, guys, so many great stories we're sharing throughout the month of February. So, folks, if you missed any programs, be sure and check out the archive section. David, let's jump into some of that good news, even though it's Wednesday. What's our first piece of good news for today? Okay, guys, I'm going to start with good news that's kind of a throwback to what I've been on for the last two or three weeks, and it's what's going in Congress. All eyes were on Congress when they were having the Speaker's election and went through 15 votes, and et cetera. And now that Congress is moving and going forward, there hasn't been all that much coverage on what they're doing. That's why I want to focus on it for a bit, because it really is significant. And we talked about back at the time that McCarthy was elected, it wasn't really a battle anti-McCarthy as much as it was, we want to change the way things are done in the House. And so they changed the rules. And those 20 or so folks held out for rules package changes. We're now seeing the result of the rules changes they made. I'll just go to one example. Um, they they voted on what's called House Resolution 21. Now, when they have lower numbers like that, like one digit or two digit, that means they're really early in the Congress, and these are the numbers that are held kind of like for congressional leadership. Uh, by the time we get to the end of next year, before the election, they're going to be up in, in five-digit numbers, uh, but they're they're down at one- and two-digit numbers now. So House Resolution 21 is one that deals specifically with what's happening with Biden pulling down the strategic petroleum reserves. And so what this measure says is, okay, every time Biden pulls down those strategic petroleum reserves and lessens that, he has to increase drilling somewhere in the United States. He has to open more permits. If he's going to take the oil out, he's got to find a way to put it back in. And it says it's called to provide for the development of a plan to increase oil and gas production under oil and gas leases of federal lands under the jurisdiction of the Secretary of Agriculture. So in other words, all these land permits that they've been sitting on, if you're going to suck the oil and gas out of the strategic petroleum reserve, you got to find a way to put it back in. So this goes for a vote. And one of the things we pointed out was that what they're doing now is under the rules changes, the Rules Committee doesn't just stamp out just one one rule. And we talked about how that the general rule, there's four types of rules you can get, get out of the Rules Committee. One says when it comes to the floor, all you do is vote up or down on it. You can't amend it. You can't change it. Uh, the congressional leadership decides what you're going to vote on, and you don't have a voice in it. And this is the way it's been uh, really since since about 2000. So we've been 23 years of just up or down. So whoever the speaker is, it's like being the dictator of the House. That rules change allows members to make amendments. So just this one measure, this one measure that, that went through on the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, Tim, how many amendments do you think they would have added something like that? <laughs> well, it's really tough given uh, what we know and, and about by Congress. The way, let me also say the rule on this was called a modified open rule. So you don't get to make every amendment you want. That's an open rule. This one means you have to submit the amendment one day in advance. Modified open means that you have to go to the Rules Committee. You have to turn in your amendment one day ahead of, of the vote. So this is modified open rule. So how many how many amendments? If you have turned in a day in advance, I'm going to say it's going to minimize the amount of amendments that are turned in. Let's say six. How about 99? I was really close. <laughs> if you turn the six upside down, it's yeah. a nine, and, and then do it twice. So yeah. I was really close. Is, they had... They had 99. Imagine that. 99. Now, what this is going to do, Democrats are going to do a ton of this because it slows down the operations of Congress. Fine. So it does. Still go for it because everybody's got a voice. But on the other hand, nine of those amendments passed. So the body 
thought there were nine really good ideas that leadership hadn't come up with that got added to this thing. So you're looking at nine amendments that got added, which makes it a lot more grassroots, a lot stronger than it was. And so that really is something really, really good out of what came back with the speaker's election. The change of rules is now allowing each member to have a, a voice and if the other members agree with that, then they're going to pass it as they did with nine out of the 99 amendments. So I just think that's terrific news. It's not making the national news. That's fine. This is part of changing the process, and you have to change the process to change the results. This is a good change of process. All right, headed over to Tim now. Tim, what's your first piece of good news for our special Good News Wednesday that we're having? Yeah, let's squeeze in one more real quick before we go to break. This one is coming from the NHL, which just, Rick, if you're not familiar with the National Hockey League. No, he doesn't know. If it's not round, it has has some kind of stitching on it. He probably doesn't <laughs> well, know Well, I mean, is. there's stitching involved usually after most hockey games. That's <laughs> yeah, on that's right. somebody's <laughs> face or body, right? That's different. Okay. So, and, and this was something that did make some national news, but it's just worth highlighting on a good news Wednesday as we are going. Uh, so the headline says, New York Rangers' decision to yank pride jerseys could upend sports status quo. So there was a big LGBT uh, kind of gay pride night. And on what most teams were doing was they were having uh, the rainbow flag insignia. They were having rainbow tape on their hockey sticks. And the Rangers said, yeah, we're not going to do that. Now, there still was rainbow stuff all over their arena. They, they still had someone who identifies as a homosexual come sing the national anthem. Somebody from Broadway, Michael James Scott, came and sang the national anthem. They were still, I mean, the, the whole arena was filled with rainbow things, but they chose not to wear the rainbow jerseys or have tape, rainbow tape on their sticks. And the, the left, the media just lost their minds. How dare they? This is a slap in the face for the LGBT plus community and on and on and on it goes. Now, again, the entire arena was filled with all of this propaganda, all of this rainbow stuff for Gay Pride Night. What's interesting is the team did put out a statement. They said, our organization respects the LGBTQ plus community. We are proud to bring attention to important local community organizations as part of another Great Pride Night. In keeping with our organization's core values, we support everyone's individual right to respectfully express their beliefs. Now, the idea of individual right turns out their players were not in favor of wearing these pride jerseys or having this rainbow tape on their sticks. And so apparently there was enough of a pushback from their own team that they said, okay, we're going to have to push against the big NHL organization that's promoting all this. And even, guys, the fact that the media went crazy and basically lost their oh, man, minds on this. I didn't see a positive story about that at all that came out. I mean, they just, they excoriated those guys in but the media. It, it goes to show, right, that they're not really into saying, let people live their lives, let them exist, right? That this is not live and let live. This is not, uh, you know, acknowledge our right to exist. This is you support us or we will try to publicly shame and crucify but you. But it's really not that because they also have Constitution Night at the Hockey. They have Christian Night at the Hockey. They have Family no, Night at the Hockey. They, no, oh. no, no, oh, they're, they're, no. Oh, they're yeah. no. I don't, I don't think they do. Although, oh. if they started doing those nights, I can imagine like Second Amendment Night would be awkward because <laughs> yeah. you're not allowed to bring weapons and firearms <laughs> right. in. And so different, right? Nonetheless, it, what's interesting is, you know, just a couple weeks ago, we had a, a, a Good News Friday story about a NHL player, a hockey player, 
who said, I'm not, I'm not doing this. I'm not going that direction. And, and, you know, guys, we really haven't seen a professional athlete push back like this since maybe two years ago, maybe three years ago now. It's been a while. Uh, Jonathan Isaacs, he was the, the NBA player when COVID was going on and they did the NBA in the bubble. And, and he was not going to kneel for the national anthem. He wasn't going to wear the BLM jersey. He said, look, I'm a Christian and I'm not going to prioritize and play these racial games and put one group over another. We have not seen a a player or a team take so courageous of a stand literally in years. And it is refreshing to see people have the courage and backbone to stand up and say, this is ridiculous. This wokeism is going too far. And, and God willing, we will see a lot more people standing up to this woke culture and wokeism saying we're not going any further. So guys, this is good news that we are seeing at least at this point, from New York, the New York Rangers, where we think so often New York is woke and they're so liberal, and they are, but not everybody there has gone crazy to see the New York Rangers actually say, yeah, you know, we're not going to go as far as the left and the woke want us to go. That is good news. All right, hang on, guys. We've got to take a quick break. We'll be right back, get some more good news on this special edition of our Wednesday program. Stay with us. You're listening to The Wallbuller Show. Have you noticed the vacuum of leadership in America? We're looking around for leaders of principle to step up, and too often, no one is there. God is raising up a generation of young leaders with a passion for impacting the world around them. They're crying out for the mentorship and leadership training they need. Patriot Academy was created to meet that need. Patriot Academy graduates now serve in state capitals around America, in the halls of Congress, in business, in the film industry, in the pulpit, in every area of the culture. They're leading effectively and impacting the world around them. Patriot Academy is now expanding across the nation, and now's your chance to experience this life-changing week that trains champions to change the world. Visit PatriotAcademy.com for dates and locations. Our core program is still for young leaders, 16 to 25 years old, but we also now have a citizen track for adults. So visit the website today to learn more. Help us fill the void of leadership in America. Join us in training champions to change the world at PatriotAcademy.com. Welcome back to Wall Builders. Thanks for staying with us. Let's jump back into some good news. David, what's our next piece of good news today? Okay, guys, I'm still riding the same horse I was riding when I started this program, so I'm back to Congress and the rules changes. So, so what's happened there? You rode to town on Friday. You stayed three days and you left <laughs> on Friday. How did you do it? You're Well, the horse was named Friday. You're on the same horse. That's how you did it. I win the riddle. You may continue. <laughs> that was really good. I haven't heard that riddle in a while. So picking up with what was we were talking about before, with the new changes in, in Congress— uh, last night was the State of the Union address with President, which I'm sure we will get to at some point to talk about uh, some of what we heard last night worth getting into. But nonetheless, today's good news. So what is the good news? The good news is that before the president had the State of the Union address there in the House chamber, guess what happened? The Republicans had a resolution they passed, House Resolution 5, that said that they will read the entire U.S. Constitution in the House before the State of the Union address. It's kind of like, uh, let, let's just remember what this is all about. You know, and people complain, say, well, that's just perfunctory. Well, it, it didn't get carried by the national news for sure. But it's not perfunctory because it helps those in Congress remember that there actually is a Constitution. It's what they swore to uphold. It's nice to remember it every once in a while. Just, just seeing it and, and hearing about it, that's really good. 
and then it gives folks like us a chance to talk about it, which helps us remember that it's a really important document. It helps us remember the kind of people we want to elect to Congress. So just just having that last night, it may have been symbolic. Now, I don't think it was. Other people might think so. I think it's a really good deal. And by the way, with all the voting that's been going on since McCarthy became Speaker, one of the rules changes they had and something McCarthy did was he ended proxy voting in the House. Nancy Pelosi allowed that you didn't have to be in the House to vote. You can just send your vote with somebody else, let somebody vote for you, kind of like mail-in ballots. I'll just let you go vote for me. McCarthy has ended that. You have to be in the chamber, and if you're not in the chamber, your vote doesn't count, and you can't send it with anybody else. You're getting paid $180,000 a year or thereabouts. You ought to at least take that seriously and show up and represent people. And I love the fact that McCarthy has put that proxy rule out to pasture. It's gone. All right, guys, we got time for one more piece of good news, and that gets to be Tim's. Tim, what you closing us out with today? All right, guys, well, this one's from California, and the title of the article says, Judge Blocks California's COVID-19 Misinformation Law. Now, first of all, it's worth noting that in September of 2022, Newsom signed a bill that went into effect January 1st, 2023, and the law said that, you know, we can't have misinformation. And misinformation was defined as false information that is contradicted by contemporary scientific consensus. What does that mean? It means whatever the scientists tell us about COVID-19, that you need to be quadruple vaxxed or however many numbers we're going to go above that, that whatever it says, that no doctor can say anything that might contradict. Now, I also just want to stop and point out that this is so nonsensical on multiple levels because one of the things that was always basic is if you went to a doctor and you got a report back from the doctor and you're like, I'm not sure about that. You know what you would do? You would go get a second opinion. Why? Because it could be that this doctor was wrong on some issue or area and California said, well, we're not going to allow second opinions if it deals with COVID because then you'll be guilty of COVID misinformation. Doctors could be penalized. Uh, for various things, and specifically, doctors who deviate from the established U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention's guidance by attempting to assess and advise their patients as individuals may run afoul of the new law. So if they were to suggest or encourage things that have been shown to be effective that were not the vaccine or the booster or whatever else, they could get in major trouble impacting their medical license, among other things. So the good news is there was a judge with common sense and the judge said, yeah, we're not going to do that. So California judge on Wednesday halted the state's so-called COVID-19 misinformation and disinformation law. And it goes on to explain these two lawsuits to doctors that are involved. Uh, judge William Smith was a George W. Bush appointee. He wrote his ruling and, and, and goes into this. But guys, it is crazy to me that California passes a law, and I'm saying that, I'm hearing myself say that, and I realize it's not as crazy given the state of California and what Gavin Newsom is doing. Uh, it's also interesting that we think Gavin Newsom probably is trying to position himself maybe for a 2024 presidential run, at least people around him are. Uh, maybe that's the reason for some of the exposés coming out, even from Democrats holding the Biden administration accountable for some of the ridiculous things they've done. Why Why have they been covering him for so long and now they're starting to turn on him? Well, maybe they're trying to to position him where he's not the best candidate to run for 2024. It looks like Gavin Newsom is someone they're trying to promote to be ready for that position. But these are the kind of policies that Gavin Newsom has promoted. 
that if you don't do what we want, if you don't say what we want you to say, if you don't walk and step where we want you to step, if you don't close your business when we want to, we will just shut you down. We will take away your medical license. This is the kind of nonsense that's been happening. Now, the good news in all of this is that a judge did block this law. And so these doctors have won their lawsuit. It would not surprise me if in California, they're going to appeal this. And so we might not have seen the end of this. However, I I cannot imagine this is going to go any different direction than what this ruling was. So this is really good news that there is a judge in California, at least upholding some basic decency and common sense when it comes to some of the bad policies being passed in the legislature in California. You know, founding fathers talked about having a frequent recurrence to fundamental principles. So what they talked about, keep going back to the basics, go back to the basics. And that good news story really is a core basic that I think we've forgotten a lot, even in the debate on, on big tech stuff. Proverbs eighteen seventeen is part of our due process where it says that you have a right literally to hear the other side of the story. Uh, Proverbs eighteen seventeen says one side sounds good till you hear the other. That's why you have a jury so that you can listen to both sides and see where truth is. And that's the problem with California's policy. That's the problem with big tech is they say, oh, there's only one side you need to hear. Well, that's not a good policy. So going back to fundamental principles, always remember that you need to hear a second side. Even if the opinion you hear agrees with you, you need to hear a second side because there might be something you hadn't thought of. There might be a perspective you're not aware of. There might be evidence you don't know. And, And so don't ever shut it off because this is what I believe and therefore I'm stopping right here. No, no, no. Always listen to the other side. Be like the jury that gets all the evidence and makes a decision. And that's why California is in such crazy shape right now. But the good news is that you still have judges who understand what founding fathers said about going back to the basic principles. They did that. And it's a great decision by that federal judge. All right, folks, we're out of time for good news today. Kind of a special Wednesday. You know, this is normally what we would do on a Friday. In fact, if you're missing those good news Friday programs, you need to listen to that at least once a week, getting that good news. It's good for all of us. It encourages us. It lets us know that you know, we can win and that there are victories happening out there across the culture. Uh, but we've had so much of that good news for Fridays, we just couldn't get it all in, so we decided to give you a special program today. Uh, I don't think Good News Wednesday is going to become a trend. we got too many good interviews we got to do as well, so we just wanted to do something special for you this week. This Friday, of course, we'll have more good news. Don't miss tomorrow for Foundations of Freedom Thursday. And then, of course, check out our websites today, wallbuilders.com and wallbuilderslive.com. At either of those websites, you can make that one-time or monthly contribution. Thank you for coming alongside us, locking shields with us, and being a part of the solution. You've been listening to Wall Builders. We stand undivided.